Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Runners World Podcast with me, Rick Pearson. Me, Ben Hobson. And me, Jane McGuire. Today we're talking with runner and author J.M. Thompson about how running saved his life. I mean, you say we, Rick. <laughs> oh, it's actually just—it's actually just me, isn't it? Yeah, sounds <laughs> foul. It's actually just me. No, it's—it's it's a really cool story. Actually, he's got um, a book out called "Running Is a Kind of Dreaming," and it's a memoir about um, his own really, really challenging upbringing and life. He actually—he um, had uh, yes, serious long-term mental health um, issues that were eventually—I'm not going to say solved, but helped. He helped, you know, helped uh, get a lot better via via running. So it's, uh, it should be a really good chat. Sorry, you guys are missing out, but. Um, well, you know, you know it's often things. it's not. It's a rare occasion that we get to listen to the podcast <laughs> and not cringe horribly at the things that we say personally. So, well, it'll be nice to listen back and sort of throwing some rotten fruit. Just cringe at you yeah. what you're saying rather than yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly, exactly, exactly. And what's going on with your various runnings? Runnings. Oh, runnings. I had a nice run this morning. Oh, lovely. That's it. That's all I want to feed back. <laughs> um, it was quite cold. The wind was out, but it felt good. Nothing really hurt, which is nice. It's always good when nothing hurts. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, sort of five-ish, six miles. It's good. Nice. Taking it, easy, taking it easy over Christmas it was classic, as advertised. classic winter running, I'd say. Lots of mm. layers, not too hard. Lovely. <laughs> nice, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Um, I've been testing the new Ultra Boost, which is designed for women. So I've been doing some miles on that, both out on the run in bushy park and on the treadmill i've become a treadmill runner guys um so yeah i know breaking news um testing a peloton and i bloody love it um so i've been clocking some miles on that too testing some shoes so all good to the uninitiated or indeed the skeptical what are our kind of women's focused pair well, of shoes well they've got a all female this is going to sound like an adidas advert i'm not being paid or sponsored by adidas i wish i was um they are and they got an all female design team on because there's basically some research that's been done that says most um running shoe brands will the shoe is modeled on or tested predominantly on male feet and obviously female feet are different biomechanically um so they scanned over a thousand women's feet and they had an all-female design team and they've not actually said yet what the changes are to the men's shoe um but they focused on the female shoe and that was what they've launched with the female the female version of the shoe um and it does like i know that a lot of the time brands say all this and actually they've not really changed much but it does actually fit my feet which are um kind of high arches and a bit of a weird shape they do fit my feet much better I've always found the ultra boost actually quite uncomfortable just like you know in the gym or walking the dog because they're just so tight across the top of my foot they feel like they're cutting my foot in half and these are the first ultra boosts that don't do that so it 
it might just be that they fit me better or it might just be that you know women are better at designing shoes yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. the surprise me um it's interesting that because adidas have done this before they did it with the boost x ages ago and it was a weird shoe that they sort of silently discontinued because um they bought it out as a, as a female specific shoe and it kind of didn't go down brilliantly it had like a weird hole through the middle of it because of like what they believe to be arch pattern in a woman so but again the design team may have been male for that shoe so who knows um but yeah it's uh just to sort of in make sure that everyone thinks this isn't an advert i'm just going to slam some adidas shoes <laughs> <laughs> hey look i've been um, i've been doing a bit of science uh, i know you guys love a science love, study love it. Um, always i'm gonna call this one the law of distraction and it, it basically essentially it says that in running as in life always thinking about yourself can get you into trouble so this new study found that the more closely you listen to your body while you run the more draining running becomes both physically and psychologically yeah. and instead 100%. of tuning into your hundred percent right <laughs> oh what am i doing oh, oh god it hurts um so you should focus on external sights and sounds um and this is part of a bigger theory called the constrained action hypothesis it's really it's a big science isn't it uh and it's the idea that our bodies already know how to move better than our conscious minds do so any attempt to tell our bodies well i wish it would take over results in less efficient movement I wish it would take over and tell my mind because my mind, my mind is still <laughs> dominant in that. I agree with this science, Rick. Thanks for bringing, Thanks for saying this because I'm always thinking about how I'm running when I'm running. Yeah, always. I think I think a lot of people do. It can be a kind of fixation thing, kind of not just about pain, but just kind of actually the mechanics of it. But actually, if you could maybe look at in the study, it was treadmill based, like like what Jane's doing, and 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 the women in the study were looking at a basketball game. I think, but there's lots of obviously out like outdoor distractions you could do run with a friend have a chat audiobooks harry, podcast. harry potter audiobooks podcasts like this podcast. one podcast. but also harry it's potter guys, come on <laughs> launching straight with podcast. harry potter number one, number one podcast <laughs> that podcast. famous podcast harry potter no <laughs> stephen fry has got me through many marathon training plans and i hope he listens to this one and he has Here's me complimenting his wonderful voice oh, he's a big listener he's a big listener to run <laughs> fun fact he follows me on twitter what don't know why. I think probably like I was on, I got on early enough to Twitter that he was just following people. But anyway, Love that. <laughs> right? That's so I'll, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just at him. Just at him and say him that I love, I love his Harry Potter audiobooks. I will tell him that. Thanks. Well, well, on that rather bizarre note, <laughs> should we get on our guest of the week? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Guest of the week. Here in the studio. Guest of the week. Sometimes on the phone. So, Jason, welcome to the Runners World podcast. I think we should start with um, with your new book, Running is a Kind of Dreaming. So could you give us a, a, a kind of brief uh, synopsis of the book and why you wanted to write it? Sure. Thanks, Rick. So I'm a clinical psychologist and ultra runner, and the book is about uh, my experience uh, of recovery from severe depression and addiction about 15 years ago. Um, so I, I grew up in England uh, and went through some difficult things as a child and adolescent. I coped with depression for a really long time. Um, and then things really unraveled in my early 30s. I became really, really depressed. I was hospitalized. Uh, Recovered from that, became uh, addicted to cocaine and alcohol, recovered from that, and then discovered 
uh, trail running and then eventually ultra running and um, the the experience of being out on the trail and running and being out in the beauty of nature and be beginning to get good at something through through running uh, ultimately was the the medicine so to speak that 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 uh, really healed me and the book is about that the book describes uh, in particular a uh, very long ultra marathon I ran in 2018 the Tahoe 200 which is a 205 mile non-stop ultra marathon on the steep mountain trails going the whole way around Lake Tahoe in California and I described that experience in very kind of vivid detail uh, with uh, this sort of flashback structure describing everything that had happened before that moment in terms of uh, my childhood, the difficult traumatic experiences I'd been through, uh, the the kind of the gradual and then not so gradual descent into suicidal depression and addiction, and then how uh, I discovered ultra running, uh, which led me on, on the the kind of path that that led not only to the Tire Two Hundred, but my my current career as a uh, clinical psychologist. Uh, primarily working with with other folks uh, in recovery from uh, depression, trauma, addiction, and, and and so forth. Can we talk about the depression because it sounds like something that was with you for quite a long time before you before you found running. Was it um, when when did you realise that maybe you were you were suffering from depression, or, or did it actually? Were you not sure what was going on? And that was partly what was difficult. Yeah, I think so. I think the first time I had had what in hindsight I would now define as a major depressive episode was when I was 15. This was in, in, in England in the mid-1980s. And, you know, I, I think I'd back then I'd probably heard the word depressed. But, you know, back then we might have used that word depressed to say, like, oh, you know, I got, you know, maths homework tonight I'm really depressed about that right you know it, it would have been used in this sort of indiscriminate way and I, I certainly didn't know that what I was going through which was this very very kind of extreme um, state of desperation and hopelessness uh, I, I didn't really have the language for it so and I I had that two-week depressed episode that kind of resolved by itself uh, in this very kind of uh, random way and then through my late teens and, and early 20s sort of periodically had these these uh, uh, you know relatively brief depressive episodes again didn't really have the language didn't really have the the sense you know this is in the 80s and the early 90s in England that uh, either that there was help available and frankly mm. I, I think there was a, a lot for me a, a lot of kind of shame and and stigma at, at that point tied up with the idea that you know I, I kind of was coping with some kind of mental disorder and needed needed help that would have been very difficult for me at the time to to I think acknowledge uh, and um, it was but it was actually only when I moved to the United States specifically to the Bay Area um, where things really unraveled and, and then it was really clear to me that oh I, I really you know something is really really wrong and I, I guess in some ways what was what was fortunate is being in the you know the Bay Area it's a very kind of therapy positive culture 
and um, it was more possible for me to identify ways that I could seek professional help. Um, but yeah, to, to answer your question, the, 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 the feelings of depression have been with me certainly since my, my teens and, and I think likely actually uh, earlier than that. And before you discovered running, what else did you turn to to try and alleviate some of those feelings? Well, I, not a lot, really. I mean, it, it was, I remember that first depressive episode when I was 15, the sense of being kind of thrown into a, a state of consciousness that where the, for which there was no real map and, and no real commonly understood way of understanding what I was, what, what I was experiencing. Even then, I had uh, I'd had in a, in a very sort of improvised way discovered um, uh, running. I, I at that point was you know doing kind of these short three to four mile jogs around where where I lived in in Hampshire, and did find that helpful. Uh, you know, to to be to be honest, what I was also doing was self medicating through through initially through through alcohol. Uh, and then, then, then other substances, and um, you know that that gradually, you know, sort of as we say, worked until until it didn't. You know, I I, yeah. I was a you know a, a a pretty heavy drinker through my teens and twenties, but you know, of course, at a time when you know English culture in the in the eighties and nineties as a you know a, a, a sixth form college student or university student yeah. and it, it had I had the sense that oh everyone is doing this there's nothing really unusual about this but actually there was something unusual because I was I was my relation to that behavior was 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 way more extreme and dysfunctional than than, hmm. than many people around me so when it gets really bad Jay, so you're you have to go to psychiatric ward and then when does the idea come to you that that running actually might be part of the solution to what you're going through? I I'd, I'd descended into this really horrific state of suicidal depression uh, in the middle of 2004 when I was in my early 30s. I ended up in a psychiatric hospital. Uh, and being in a psychiatric hospital in, in a way is, is quite close to being in, in prison in, in some ways and that you know you are you're not free to leave and, and you know those conditions uh, are defined like that for your own safety. So I was stuck inside 20, 24 hours a day for, for, for many days in a row. After a few days of this, um, one afternoon the, 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 the counselors took, uh, took us up, to the rooftop basketball court of the hospital and we had I think maybe 20-30 minutes standing around there and you know there were some other fellow patients uh, playing basketball and doing that sort of thing. I suddenly had this this uh, realization like oh you know in a few minutes I'm going to be going back down into the this locked unit and, and not able to really do anything for another day or something. And the, I suddenly had this impulse to run, and so I started to do these sprint intervals back and forth on the basketball court, and um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, running as fast as I possibly could for about three minutes, and and I had this this kind of aha moment in the middle of that, like oh, I you know, the depressive feelings w really went away. I mean, not they didn't stay. Uh, 
removed. But for a, for a brief moment, I wasn't, you know, trapped in these sort of repetitive negative thoughts and this these terrible feelings uh, of, of hopelessness. I was, you know, aware of the sweat on my my forehead and and breathing really hard and feeling out of breath and and this sort of feeling of kind of being alive and. Uh, that that sort of a, a kind of light bulb went off for me uh, uh, to some extent. Then um, once I got out of the hospital and I went through this period of kind of addiction, but in the early recovery from that, um, felt so horrific. Um, really, all of the time was coping with you know her, really horrendous uh, cravings to to use drugs again, and, and but with the knowledge like oh if I do that you know I'm I'm, I'm going to die. And I and I and the the thought was you know I need to find some way of uh, you know one creating some sort of structure in my in my life and but two feeling something positive like I felt awful all the time and so um, this is really early in 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 the aftermath of hospitalization and recovery from from cocaine addiction I I started driving down to the the beach near the Pacific Ocean. And, and running first, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes a day, and then, and then gradually longer from that. And I was really, really aware that there was something about the experience of uh, moving forward, having a sense that I had control over what I was doing, that I was all, all the five senses were yeah. turned up to 11. You know, I could feel the wind in my face, smell the, the salt air, uh, see see the stars. I remember one day seeing like a, seeing some shooting stars, and uh, it, it was just magical. And um, and I had a sense like, oh, there's th- there is a doorway that is opening here into just a different way of 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 being alive. And yeah. uh, and that that was really the breakthrough. That must have been just absolutely fantastic to come to to begin to come out of a, an episode like that and to see that there could be a a different future or, or any future i guess because as you've sort of alluded to there the kind of feeling of hopelessness that can accompany depressive episodes can be can be really overwhelming can't they so it's really lovely to hear that running has been able to open that door for you it was a, a revelation yeah and you went on i mean it, it's uh you started on the basketball court but your running didn't stop there did it it kind of gone on done hard rock 100 the Tahoe 200, which is actually 205 miles. It should be called the Tahoe 205, shouldn't it? But there you go. Um, why did you want to test yourself over the sort of super long, super difficult um, distances? Yeah, by the way, I, I never did hard rock. Uh, it was on my, on my bucket list to do. I've paced there a couple of times. Okay. I've never done oh, that okay, one. Okay. Um, uh, I, 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 lo- I love that part of, of Colorado. But yeah, I did Yeah, I did go on to, to run longer and longer races. And there was so... You know, I'd I'd been running um, for a little while, like these runs on the beach, and then I entered some kind of local trail races. And and, and this is back in you know the the mid two thousands when you know I, you know ultra marath- ultra running in in the United States was still very very fringy, and this was yeah. pre Facebook, so there wasn't a lot of information even. But I, I remember hearing about something, you know, I was at a, lining up for a, a race to do a half marathon or something. And the race director said, okay, here's here, who's here for the half marathon? And we put our hands up. And who's here for the ultra marathon? And these, you know, a handful of people put their hands up. And I, and I was like, what is this insane thing? And 
and they they didn't they, they these these ultra runners they looked fit but they didn't look like kind of super humans they looked like regular people and i just was really captivated by the this idea of, of the idea that you could you could run that far hmm. uh, and so i entered a, a a 50k and yeah it you know it turned out and in some ways it sounds so kind of it sounds like i'm i'm saying 2 plus 2 equals 4 but it, but you know it turns out if you you know keep going and put one yeah. foot in front of the other you can you can run 30 miles and then 50 miles and there was something completely mind blowing for me about uh, this idea that uh, seemingly impossible things are in actual fact uh, uh, you know the uh, uh, a kind of uh, composite of smaller manageable things that you mm. you do um, one one at a time, and and that in 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 accomplishing that you know I ran fifty k and then I ran fifty mile and then a uh, hundred mile. Um, wh what I started to notice is that the the feelings of confidence that mm. that gave me, like oh I, you can you can pick a point on the horizon, uh, even if it seems really really far away, and and you can get there uh mm. that's that started to sort of generalize to other areas of my life i kind of was able to pick a direction then not just in running but in my my life itself and, and it was sort of inspired the the decision to go back to to graduate school and train as a psychologist and so you know seeing then that the more the further i ran in, in a sense the the more i felt kind of connected with with um the the natural world and and grew in confidence and and it sort of expanded my literally and metaphorically expanded my my horizons and sense of what yeah. was possible you know it was just super compelling to keep going well what is what is the actual limit of this like why why not just keep on going so I, I, that's how i wound up uh, running 205 miles this is the runner's world podcast Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
because as you say as, as kind of parallel to this your your professional life um took off to you know direction of being a, a psychologist from what you know now about psychology why do you think that running is so effective for a lot of people when it comes to managing uh, anxiety and depression yeah i think there are multiple levels to this uh, I, I, in the in the very first on the very first and most uh, immediate level aerobic exercise produces uh, changes in the the brain it releases uh, endorphins and endocannabinoids, which are these these the sort of brain's natural feel-good chemicals, and so you know even for someone who's who's really didn't never who's been sedentary and never done any kind of exercise, uh, and often the experience you'll hear about with people is uh, you know going for a, a, even a short jog and, and getting into it and feeling quite immediately some sort of positive um, effect on that level. So that's the, the, if you like, the baseline. But m my experience of this is that it, it actually, it, it, it goes, goes much further. So as I was sort of alluding to in, in my previous mm. remarks, that, that I think there is something about finding out in a really physical embodied way that you're, you are capable and able to choose a direction, choose your own way. In a, in a very literal sense, that is very powerful for for anyone, but I think particularly powerful for those of us coping with with anxiety or depression, which are you know if you think about it, those are states of mind marked but and characterized in, in lots of ways by a feeling of uh, either losing control or worrying about losing control or, or feeling that you you know that's in an anxious state or feeling that there's no no real point in accomplishing anything which would be a, a sort of depressed state of mind to to run to you know whether it's you know one mile around the block or 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 100 miles over over a mountain range by definition is something you you are deciding to do and and it it does seem in my experience and observation of other runners to really sort of embed and embody in a, in a very sort of visceral sense the, a kind of different way of relating, not just to physical activities, but, but life it, itself. And then there's this third dimension, and the, you know this is really at the heart of the book, which is what what, it, what I believe happens in in distance running, especially the the really longer long ones, the you know hundred miles and, and beyond, when the 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 thinking mind begins to shut down because. The, the physiological demands of running for you know 20 hours 30 hours or whatever as such that you know the brain really shifts resources just to being able to move move forward what what happens then neurologically I, I think is that that the, you move into a kind of waking dream state hence the, hence the title of the book the book that really is a thesis running is a kind of dreaming and that what that uh, waking dream state of, of running, I think, enables, <clears throat> similar to a you know a a long meditation retreat or or, or a pilgrimage, is is a way of of, of kind of turning towards uh, memories or aspects of the self or experience, in in a in a very um, raw and intimate and vulnerable way, 
where, where, you, where you you kind of develop a, a kind of conversation with with yourself in in a way that is much more direct and immediate than than is is possible in normal waking awareness. You know, I think that the the big parallel here, I, I'm convinced, is with what we're learning about the the mechanism of psychedelic psychotherapy, which which similarly for people in in states of very severe depression or trauma, mm. this the the psychoactive substances like uh, psilocybin or um, ketamine uh, seem to similarly uh, shut down the the kind of uh, the 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 rigid patterns in the in the the thinking mind and enable this kind of dreaming this sort of resynthesis of of experiences you've been through that that enables a kind of uh, changed perspective on on yourself and your life and what it's all about so that that is that is the promise and potential i think of of ultra running and why i think those of us who've who've, who've gone through really difficult things are probably yeah. Overrepresented it amongst the ultra, ultra running community. Yeah, I was going to ask that whether you've um, encountered other people who've experienced, you know, some of the stuff that, that you went through because it does it does seem that, that running and maybe even more so ultra running um, attracts people who yeah who perhaps have battled through certain men- mental hurdles in their life. Yeah, I, I I have yet to see a definitive poll or, or study, <laughs> but that would be that would be interesting. Actually, my sense is. When I've lined up at the start line for you know then like forty three ultras at this point, um, or or ended up randomly chatting to people on on the trail, it seems invariable actually that but in 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 the story of what led someone to want to take on uh, not just running but running fifty miles or hundred miles. Yeah. There's some sort of whether it's grief or tragedy or or, or trauma or loss or or, or or something or addiction or something like that. It seems like I wouldn't say it's everyone, but it's it's a lot of us. Yeah, definitely. What what advice would you give your younger self, Jason, if you were kind of could go back and and talk to yourself at you know thirty one, thirty two? What would you what would you say? Uh, that's, I would, you know, looking back at who I was then, I, I thought that the answer to what I was coping with was going to be in something, uh, some kind of thought or idea or way of thinking about myself or some achievement or accomplishment or job I would have, something outside of myself that would um, give me a sense of um, meaning and purpose and, and kind of answer this, this sort of feeling of hopelessness inside myself. And in, in actuality, the, 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 the feelings that I was coping with were, were, were really about experiences I'd had when I was really, really young, and I, and I mean, you know, in my, when I was five, six, seven, I talk yeah. about those in the book, and that the, as it were, the, the worst, the worst had was already actually behind me. It, it mm. felt as if I was still coping with some sort of disaster that was either happening in the present or or, or about to happen. 
Mm. Um, but you know, as I talk about in the book, there is there's this this famous paper by this British uh, pediatrician uh, Winnicott who, who who talked about fear of breakdown. So, and he said that the fear of breakdown often is uh, the fear about something that already happened in our past. You know, the mind presents feelings of catastrophe or, or, or hopelessness as something either now or in the future, but, but actually often we're, we're trying to come to terms with something that happened a long time ago, but which is sort of not really accessible to the, the conscious mind. And you know, if, if I'd been able to to absorb that in my early thirties, and and been able to ha have someone say, you know, look, Jason, just turn towards the feelings that you're actually having right now, and you don't need to necessarily uh, figure out what these mean. You you need you need to kind of learn how to be with these feelings, the feelings of sadness, shame. Um, despair, uh, you know, these are, these are human feelings. You're human and you're having a human experience. L turn towards these feelings and, 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 and come to know and what they are and how to, how to be with them. Don't try and run away from them. Um, I'd spent a lot, a lot of time up to my early 30s running away from difficult feelings, either ignoring them or, or self-medicating yeah. them or, or, or in trying some ways to not feel them. And, and, the, and the answer, and ironically, it's ironic in some ways that running was the solution to running away. And I think yeah. what running gave me was a way of rather than running away from f feeling bad or adversity, of, of, of turning towards those those feelings and, and learning yeah. to cope with them. I think that's something we do as runners is, you know, if you're at mile 23 in a, uh, in a, in a 26.2 marathon and you're feeling like, oh, this, these, this is really too much. The, the answer is to turn towards the, the step you're in right now and, you know, breathe in, breathe out and, um, and, and learn to, and learn to tolerate it. And, and I guess that's what I would, Something like that is what I would want my, my 31 self to, to, to have known. Yeah. If anyone listening um, is interested in, in getting hold of the book, Jason, how, how, do, they, how do they go about it? It's, it's already out, so where, where can they go? Uh, you know, I'm sure uh, Jeff Bezos doesn't need more, more cash, <laughs> but the, the, he, he, there is a website, Amazon. Uh, it's, it is there. Yeah. I, I, I hope that there are other uh, retail websites in, in the UK that uh, and book and bookshops that are, are selling this but certainly you can get it on Amazon it's running as a kind of dreaming thank you so much for, for your time coming on the runners World podcast it's absolutely fantastic and really uplifting to um to hear you talk about how running's helped to power your your journey to recovery so thanks very much for your time Jason it is it's a great pleasure thanks so much Rick take care so that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast a huge thanks to our guest JM Thompson and to you of course for listening Christmas is coming guys uh and it's probably time to subscribe to the Runners World magazine um because it's just a gift that keeps on giving so search on the internet Runners World UK subscription you'll find a website where you can probably do that and uh, you should do that because it lines our pockets with gold no it, it'll benefit your life 
And once again, um, if you're looking to buy a Christmas present, just don't. Just click subscribe because that means more to us than a present under the tree. So please do that. (laughs) And we'll see you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.